Uncaged. Uncaged. A show celebrating thought leadership from today's top business leaders. The program provides a voice to amazing executives from around the globe who are shaping the world of business today and mapping the path to the world of commerce tomorrow. And now, please welcome our host, Bant Breen, as we begin another Uncaged episode. Today, we have Lori Schwartz on the show. Hi, Lori. Hi, Bant. Lori, it's great, great to have you here, Lori. I've known Lori forever, and we'll go through some of her background. But we're both very young. <laughs> We're, but we're both 23 years old. <laughs> um, but um, before we get into uh, a lot of stuff with Lori that we're going to talk about today, just want to kind of give you a little bit of background on her. Uh, Lori is the founder and principal of StoryTech. Uh, StoryTech is an incredible company that basically curates ex- uh, experience, ex- events, um, and I guess, tours for, for, for uh, clients. I'll let Lori explain it in more detail, but essentially a curator, a technology catalyst, uh, uh, and, and really kind of a, I would say a digital media expert. I've known Lori for years. She started uh, her career working in many agencies. She actually built out the uh, IPG Emerging Media Lab, which was has become really one of the foremost uh, I'd say labs for people to learn more about um, digital media, media trends, media technologies. She is a contributor on CNN. And as I said, she's the principal of StoryTech. Great to have you here today, Lori. Um, It's great to be here. It's always fun to talk to you. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you know, normally, Lori, I would see you at the beginning of the year in Las Vegas and we would uh, groggily kind of uh, wash away the, 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 I guess, holiday kind of uh, vibe and, and start the year fresh and, and focus on what the cool trends are. I know that you did that virtually this year. Yeah. Um, and, but b- before we get into what exactly StoryTech has been busy with, tell us a little bit about how you got here and, and, and the path of your career. Um, Sure. I mean, it's definitely, and I I always say this, but it's really true. It's definitely that John Lennon song that life happens to you when you're busy making other plans. Um, I certainly, I came to um, LA from New York to work in the film business. Um, And I was really interested in being like the next Spielberg, you know, and I was really turned on by technology. And I ended up, um, you know, on the side doing improv comedy and making short films to feed my creative soul. But I started making a living as a, uh, a project manager um, and, um, you know, someone who is managing something, right? Um, and I ended up getting a job at an internet company. And this was when there were no websites yet. This is really like 20 years ago when it all kind of exploded. And so I worked at a small company called Zentropy Partners that eventually got bought by Interpublic, which is this huge marketing company. But when I was at Centropy, we were just making websites and we were making websites for Nautica and General Motors and like every major brand who for the first time in their life had a, a digital sort of presence. And this was when, you know, web video was like 
you know, 56K or whatever it was. You know, I was thinking about those videos that we that we used to make for brands and, and the websites that we would make for them. I mean, nobody really knew exactly what performance was going to look like at that stage. And yeah. but, but every brand felt that they needed to have a website of some sort. And yeah. so you'd be talking to kind of like a, a General Mills or somebody and they would want a website. And, yeah, and, it was. It, and it was also it was also like, what's it going to do and why right. is it there? And then rich media, you had all these rich media things. But what I ended up doing was becoming the person at that agency who ushered in new tech. And so I started just going to a lot of shows and bringing back the information. And I was, I set up an editing bay at this internet company and I said, video is going online. And they're all like, what are you talking about? And so I was actually compressing video and, um, and then we got bought by Interpublic, this huge marketing um, holding company. And I found myself in front of ad agencies, really senior level ad agencies, telling them what was going to happen in the future. And it was really interesting because at that time, that was just a job to me. And I was just doing it to make a living while I was trying to still be, you know, Steven Spielberg. <laughs> but, but what I found was that I was really turned on and I had an affinity for interpreting the tech and being able to explain it and apply it to someone's business in a way that everyone understood. And I found over and over again that I was really telling the story about the technology, but in a digestible way, you know, um, and relating it to my own life all the time. Um, and so I was at um, this company when new leadership came in and I said, look, what we could really use is a new stuff lab, a place where all these like, you know, CMOs and CEOs and agency executives could come and not be shy about picking up a device and going, what is this? Because this was also at the time that the Mac desktop revolution was happening, iPads and iPhones and all these things. And we had these like, you know, 40s, 50 and 60 year old executives who were watching their kids use these devices and they really, they were shy about talking about it. Yeah. And they also didn't understand the business implications. And so we created this environment where they can come and ask questions and pick up these devices for the first time and, and really understand it. And so it was a education center. Um, and, but what was so great about it at the time was it put me in the middle of the swirl of media, tech, and content. And I found myself continuously translating for those three cultures who were so different. Um, and I became really someone that was, you know, a tour guide into their businesses. And it was a very natural extension for me to start to take those same folks to events and to lead them at those events. And at the same time, I was attending events and being trained to be a tour guide uh, by the infamous uh, and famous <laughs> Shelley Palmer, who I would go on his tours and I would help him out for free and I would just do it, you know. And I learned how to give tours. And then one year I said, I wanna bring agencies. And I was one of the first people to bring agencies to the Consumer Electronics Show. And I remember the CES leadership saying to me, why do you wanna bring brands? You know, I mean, this was 15 years ago. Um, and so I was in parallel with companies like MediaLink and Shelley Palmer to build out, um, you know, this sort of, this thing that agencies could do at big shows. 
Um, and what's happened over these last um, eight years, uh, um, you know, eight years ago, I left that big job uh, just to go independent. And over these last eight years, I have created sort of services around that idea of being in the swirl of media, tech, and content. And so giving tours, curating panels, hosting, moderating, figuring out how to connect those people at industry events so that they get done what they need to do. And sometimes it's selling a service, sometimes it's education, um, sometimes it's exposure. I mean, it's the entire marketing funnel on all sides. Um, and they spend a lot of money at these events and often they don't get what they want because they're missing that tour guide. Yeah, I I, uh, I think back, Lori, on the Media Lab and all of the different elements that it had, the, the living room of the present and future, the kitchen of the present and future, the, the bedroom of the present and future, retail, uh, all the latest retail technologies that were being employed. And I certainly experienced it with many, many clients that we brought there over the years. And it was incredibly powerful as an educational resource. And then the trend reports that you put together and still do put together it now in the context of StoryTech that would really kind of set the, the new year into context for, for clients and, and executives was really, really helpful. So tell me a little bit more about what this last year has looked like for StoryTech yeah. and, and how the business has evolved. It was so interesting. So, you know, March 12th or 13th, when the boom hit and everyone, you know, got locked down um, was when everyone realized, oh my God, things have changed. And a lot, a lot of jobs were lost and business shut down. I started seeing this in January where I, I was coming out of CS, you know, which is really my busiest time. So to your point, November and December are not holiday la la land for me. I'm the busiest I am. I never leave my chair. And I'm, you know, I don't have a holiday break. Um, I have my little Hanukkah for a couple of days. <laughs> that's about that, it, right? That's yeah. about it. And I'll go and have like some honey baked ham at my friends who celebrate Christmas. And that's that's really that's really it. And by the way, honey baked ham is like the greatest thing in the world for a Jew. So that's <laughs> like talk about interactive, you know, produce. But um, anyway, it's fantastic. But um, I come off of this maddening show, um, it, intense. I make a lot of, um, you know, contacts there. It's a business driver for me. We work really hard. I bring like 15 consultants there. It's amazing. I come off that show and all of a sudden I have my whole year booked for the first time ever. Like after like four or five years of really pounding away at this concept uh, around story tech, um, I have the year booked, you know, and I'm like, wow, this is the best year ever. You know, and then I start hearing from clients, I don't know if we're going to have a show. Um, uh, we're wondering if we're going to do our show. We're, we're, we're canceling our show, you know, and all of a sudden my entire year within February and March got canceled. And yeah, I remember, it was, it was, you know, Lori, it was about this time uh, yeah. last year because yeah. I think that you and I spoke uh, right after Mobile World Congress had been canceled. Mm -hmm. And, and we were all waiting on South by South by was really the death knell. I mean, yeah, you know, um, yeah, it was, uh, I, I mean, it was so ironic too that it was my best year. It was going to be my best year of, of proving this idea, yeah. you know, because I had made a living all these years, but this was the first year 
that my entire year was finally having a pattern of clients and events, you know. So um, right around when that happened in March, um, I called up uh, one of my colleagues who I work with all the time. And I said, I've booked a stage. We're going to go shoot some videos to talk about virtual. And I stuck us in front of a green screen and we just cut together a fun video. And it showed how you can do virtual and still be safe and all of this. And I had that done in March. And then we also proceeded to shoot really fun little short interstitials about streaming at home. So, um, so and, when you, you say know, virtual, basically what, 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 what's happened, I guess, this year is that all of the, the events that we would travel all over the country, all over the world for have all become virtual shows. But it was yes. really unclear as to what that meant. Like <laughs> how, no, how right, right, right. And this is this is the this is the thing. It's it's not just because you and I talked about this too. It's not just about the event itself, but there's content, right? And so most of these companies that are big events and even these smaller association shows have two things they're wrestling with. One is CRM, managing their community, their fan base, onboarding them onto some kind of website experience where information could be delivered, where they'd get a ticket, where they can look at a schedule or where they could have an experience. The other part is the content itself, which is the keynotes, the panels, and hearing from sponsors and exhibitors. That had to quickly be converted to a virtual experience, meaning video-centric something. Wow. The piece that was missing all along and which I've really pushed on and which actually lit up for the rest of the year was that you have to treat the video like a show. You have to have it branded. It has to be high quality. You have to, it has to be produced. You have to think about what you're doing and saying and what people see. And what happened, I think, too soon um, and too quickly was everyone just jumped on Zoom and started doing events on Zoom. And so now you had all this Zoom fatigue and you had people used to real low quality video, unbranded, right. not organized well. And so what I have really been a proponent of is yes, have your CRM website experience, which again, that is its own world. You can either build your own, you can leverage one of these event sites, um, whatever you wanna do, that has to be managed. That's a true user experience that has to be built right. But separately, you've gotta get a video producer involved and you've got to have a writer and you've got to have talent associated with that. And so what, what happened to me for the rest of the year was selling that idea and it finally lit up around the middle of the summer and really from July until just a few weeks ago, I was nuts. And that's, I was hosting. Well, I mean, it's, I think it's it's a new new world that's being developed and created. And Certainly, I, uh, I, I, I saw the stuff that you pulled together for CES, which was incredible, incredibly professional, essentially putting it into kind of exactly what you're outlining, a show construct that, that uh, was, was easy for folks to approach, and then utilizing that, that additional kind of stack of technology to, to, to bring everything together. So, I mean, as, as businesses are, are looking at 2021 and what they do in terms of these events and these virtual tours, you know, how, how, how can Storytech help them? And, and, and how is this really, how is your service relevant this year for businesses? Well, I think um, the, the top of, of everyone's mind is, should I go live this year? What should I do? 
So there's multiple things. First of all, we can help with the strategy of how you should approach this year. And one of the biggest things I'm saying to people is 21 is still a weird year. This is not the, this is not the year that everything is going to go back to normal. This is still a learning building year. Like we have year. snowstorms in Texas now. I know, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I can't feel, I kind of feel like they a little deserve it, but I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, 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 <laughs> actually, yeah. actually who really deserves a snowstorm is Florida, but we'll talk about that <laughs> later. <laughs> no, I mean, we look, we have fires in LA, you know, everybody is going through some biblical stuff right now, but yeah. we're coming, we're, we're, this is still a learning year. And so I think this is the year that you build digital infrastructure. So last year, everyone scrambled, did Zoom, did whatever, cobbled together, used expensive event companies, whatever it is. This should be the year that you build your digital infrastructure because we're not coming up, this year's not gonna be the money-making year either. This mm -hmm. is gonna be the year that, okay, you're over the shock, the post-traumatic stress of the initial year of 2020. Now gather up your boots, sit in your chair and build that digital infrastructure. So build your site and right. get with some video producers and figure out how you're gonna do this. Cause come 2022, you need to have a virtual solution and a live solution. And right. the two need to work together because I, I'm, I'm just telling everyone this, you're not everyone's gonna come back to live even in 2022. What your yeah, problem no, I, and, and and I think that you know one thing that is very clear is that even if people rush back to events when when they can, it won't happen this year for sure. Yeah. But um, <laughs> there there is definitely a desire for face to face connection, and and mm -hmm. and certainly uh, I think that the world has missed something, has lost something. Humanity, not, humanity. Yeah. We, we, yeah. need, we do need each other. Correct. I, I think my larger point is that in 2022, things are gonna be expensive to get back mm. together. And so what, we need, what we're gonna to need to do is we're gonna to need to figure out who is gonna, what is the audience that we're serving at the live? And then how do we serve the virtual? Yeah. Because the live is not gonna be for everyone and it's probably gonna be a little on the premium side in 2022, but virtual can build your audience. Yeah, and I then, think that's perfect. And I think the virtual will hopefully reach a much larger audience, right? Right, and then the next year, 2023, you'll have more at the premium event and you'll grow your virtual audience even larger. And these two things will feed off of each other. And I so love this, it. this is the year to build the infrastructure to support that. Um, and also for God's sakes to realize that it takes talent to do this. Right. And, and you can't just have the senior VP of new business, you know, just up here hosting, moderating, facilitating. You need, to, you need real people who do this. This takes talent and you're going to have to some, have someone live and you're going to have to have someone virtual and they're going to be passing it off to each other and you're going to have to have a producer. And yeah. you have to think about these things now, you know, um, because what, what's the difference, Vance, seriously, between someone watching you and I talking right now and flipping on the next Larry King on CNN. You know, it's right. all broadcast, broadband. The pipe doesn't even matter. Um, well, we're, we're both still alive, Lori. So that's one difference. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I just mean that the pipe doesn't matter anymore and that you, you with Uncaged could stick this on an OTT channel. 
Right. And so what's the difference? So you've got to treat all of this B2B content as seriously as a, a B2C person is with entertainment content. That's, a, that's an excellent point. Really, I think uh, putting all of that strategy, all of that planning together is going to be critical just to deliver this virtual solution in 2021, but then mapping out that blueprint for what what will come next, which is probably that what you're outlining kind of a uh, a connected, interconnected hybrid approach, which is yeah. brilliant and, and absolutely needed. So yeah, and I, I would love to get rid of the word hybrid too, because it's already been abused just in four or five months. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. So, so maybe we call it, uh, will you tell me what the new word will be? Lori? I, I, I don't know what it is, but I think it's just about mapping an experience for your fans. Okay. Because in the end, the attendees of your event, your community, your association members, your audience are your fans. And so you have to map a fan experience, you know. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. So so you've been working on a, on a ton of shows over the last, let's say, nine months. What what are, are the things that are giving you the most joy from this? I really, really love interviewing people like you are doing right now. And you know, I had a podcast that I actually stopped in September because I was doing so much of this work and it got hard to do both. But I love interviewing people. And the, the reason I love interviewing people is because one, it's graduate school, right? Like you learn so much about an expertise by interviewing someone um, that, that it's wonderful. I, I leave an interview smarter than I was before. So that's great. Two, I love talking to people and I feel like I can talk to them about anything. Right. And, and the way that I think my style is, is fun and informal and real. So it's not this stuffed shirt, you know, awkward yeah. thing. I'm really having a conversation with someone and I enjoy that so much and it makes my heart sing. So I would love to, you know, be interviewing anybody and all I need is a day to prepare. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say one of the things that I've noticed over the years with the CES uh, work that you've done is, is that a lot of folks, especially electronics, technology companies, that they, they don't really know how to tell their own story. Oh, yeah. You've always been great at helping pull out that story from those people and step away from all the buzzwords that they get trapped, you know, basically tripped up on. And, and, uh, and actually explain to, to everyone what, what that actually does. Yeah, it's, it's funny. It's, I think it's because I'm a Pisces and I can like feel everybody's thing and I can feel when someone's disconnecting. Um, but it's really, uh, again, it's that translation tour guide piece. It's like, because in the end, like when you come to CES or any big tech show, you're a human being first. Right. And then you're your role and what your business reason for being there is. So if I don't connect with the human part first, you're going to check out on the business side. So, you know, CS in the end is a room full of toys. And so, you know, you got to like treat the tour like a show, right. you know, so we often don't take people to the best version of a solution, but we might take them to the sexiest version of a solution ah. because they're more likely to understand and remember it if it's cool and fun looking. And then we can say and check out blah, blah, blah company because they're really doing a great job at it. You know what I mean? The and it's best, also the best tech story wins, basically. Yeah, the best tech story wins. Also, you know, they're walking a lot. So we try and make the walk shorter 
we feed them. I mean, it's it's about the human experience with anything. And that's why, that's where the story piece of StoryTech is, is that in the end, we all have that gene for story, just like Joseph Campbell used to talk about. And so if I tell you a story about a piece of technology or a piece of business, you're going to lock into it. And this is what, you know, I worked with a lot of partners to start StoryTech in the beginning. And we all would continuously be doing the same thing, telling the story, telling the story. And so right. if, you, if you can get to the story about the thing you're explaining, everyone's going to lock into it. Our brains just do that. We want that story. So, so Lori, you were outlining a, a little bit earlier, kind of the pathway that you see this, I'd say, evolution, this accelerated evolution that we're living through right now from uh, the world where we would all jump on flights and stay at hotels and go to conferences to uh, what we've lived over the last year, which is virtual everything, to this, this next world, which is uh, I, I guess it's not a hybrid, but some some sort of a mix. You'll tell yeah. me what the word is that we could use there. But what does the future look like after that? Where, where are we going with this whole thing? Well, I, I think to your point, we do want to be we do want to be together again. Um, and so I think that in person will definitely be a part of the future. I also think the virtualization of in person is going to happen. Right. And that's the stuff that's happening in VR or XR right now, where you go on to alt space or VR chat or even um, browser based solutions like Verbella um, or engage and you're a or what Sundance did where you're a form of some kind and either through the headset or through the browser you're walking around and interacting with people. And so I've had conversations next to friends of mine who are in a totally different country or state in the headset and they're standing next to me in their avatar form. And so that, that is the ultimate merging of both in-person and virtual. And it's right. not for everyone and it's not for everything. And we're in very early days, but that's another interesting space to explore. And I think it could be the future of work in many ways. A lot of these spaces you can manipulate 3D you know, objects. And so for manufacturing um, folks, for people in product development where they can virtually be in a room moving around a model of a product they're making together with other people, you know, and the medical community is on fire with um, virtual um, virtualization. Yeah, so, no, I mean, I think that everything that we're talking about for events and event experiences, there is application for um, the, the office of the future and that mix with yeah. remote work. It makes complete sense to me uh, that people are going to have to think about that in a new way as well, because uh, that, that loss of humanity that we're all living from working, uh, working at our homes versus being together is also the, it, it's, it's perhaps maybe a less heightened version of what you experience when you're at, a, at an event, but there's a lot of parallels, a lot of learnings there. Uh, yeah, I mean, in parallel to what we're talking about too, with the future of work, you know, I mean, just look at what's happening to LA and California, right? Where you see all these people going to like Austin and, you know, Nashville and all of that. And th those of us in LA are like, great leave, you know, better for our traffic problem. <laughs> and by the way, taxes will follow you wherever you go. But, but um, what, what's exciting about what's happening in, with, with uh, the future of work is that you're going to now have access to talent all over the world. 
Well, that same concept is going to apply to events in that now we're going to people who normally would never attend some of these events and be part of these communities are now through virtualization going to attend. And so I think you're going to see a flood and an infusion of um, more humanity and better ideas and better business because we're going to have multinational infusion um, into events that may have been regional before. And companies do better when their boards and their participants are from different worlds, different sexes, different religions. So yeah, that's absolutely, really interesting. Ab absolutely, and and I mean, I, all of these things that we're talking about uh, are is probably foremost on on anybody's mind. Any company that conducts business in any area, because events obviously hit every business vertical, and certainly this is one thing that uh, every business vertical, every business person. Uh, is thinking about how, how they address this area. What do they do? How does it uh, weave into their, their growth strategy going forward? Uh, Lori, it's been amazing to talk to you today. We've had, today we've had Lori Schwartz on Uncaged. Uncaged is a show that gives a voice to amazing executives from around the globe who are shaping the world of business today and mapping the path to, to the commerce of tomorrow. Lori, thank you so much for joining us. <laughs> um, it has been my pleasure. It's always great to talk to you, Van, and um, I look forward to uh, to watching more Uncaged episodes. Yes, I think I should say I look forward to seeing you at a, a virtual event soon. I look forward to being there. <laughs> Cheers. All right. Bye. Ciao.